0: On this week's episode of Circles Off, we're going to talk about a variety of topics, and we're going to start with draft betting. Is it over? Is there a future for it? Should content creators be able to give out picks on the draft? We'll talk about that. Of course, the closing line value debate comes up again and again in Gambling Twitter. We'll speak about that. Does closing line value matter? Are there instances where it doesn't? And then we're going to end off with plus EV and minus EV myself Johnny Zach give out our positive expected value negative expected value takes of the week it's a jam packed episode of Circles Off and it starts now
1: come on let's go
0: welcome to Circles Off episode number 108 right here on the Hammer Betting Network Rob Pizzola, joined as always by Johnny from Betstand and you mic setup I see
2: the people are finally getting what they asked for I'm fidgeting too much <laughs> With the stand up mic that Rob currently has, producer Zach set up the monitor arm sorry, the mic arm. So let's see how it goes today. So, I'm also on a new chair. Yeah, it's uh, listen, it's not awful. my perfect, not my personal preference, favorite chair. I feel like when we get the new table, I'm gonna have to pick out a better chair. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be springing in on a better chair here. It's important, you know, for the back, but through about 45 seconds of the episode right
0: now, I will say I'm, I'm liking the arm. I do like the monitor, the, the mic arm. So there was one comment that came in on last week's episode with professor, professor shine about Johnny, not asking a whole lot of questions. So during that episode, I could see the pain that Johnny was going through in the existing chair that we had in there with him, And I told, I told him off air before we started, I'm like, dude, man, like next time that happens, we we record these episodes. These are not live. You can just well, be like, it, was,
2: it was the headphone thing too. I just didn't want to. I the, didn't want to interrupt. The he headphones was going
0: on. The mic. Three weeks ago, Zach comes up to me too. He's like, "Hey, you gotta talk to Johnny, man, about the microphone." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Man, he's always like picking it up and putting it down, and like makes these loud banging noises." And he's like, "I have to adjust the levels. It takes me an extra hour." I'm like, "You set up a different mic mic arm for him. You wanted this mic arm anyway, so it works out." Now we're all good. We need better chairs, obviously. No, big time.
2: Big time. And honestly, my headphones last week, midway through the episode, the right ear was like faded and it was just popping in and out. And I was just getting a headache from it. I'm like, oh my God. But I didn't didn't stop it. I tried unplugging and plugging. That's why I was taking them off a little. But uh, we trucked through it. Shine. Great episode last week. And uh, we are here today with 108. 108. So number
0: eight, we have... My my favorite player growing up was number eight, which was Troy Aikman. Troy Troy Aikman was my favorite player growing up. Not bad. Who else you got for number eight? Okay, so number eight, well, quarterbacks. I know Kirk Cousins wears eight now. Lamar Jackson. But Cal Ripken Jr. wore number eight, Major League Baseball. Are you familiar with the Cal Ripken Jr. conspiracy theory? No, not at all. Zach, are you familiar with the conspiracy? Because we had you doing conspiracy theories for a while for YouTube shorts. Do you remember
1: it? Yeah, but no, I, I don't. I'm not going to say because I'm going to get the details of it wrong. Okay,
0: so there's a bunch of different ones, but they all are relatively related to the exact same thing, which was Cal Ripken Jr. was going to miss a game for oh, the yeah. Baltimore, Baltimore Orioles. He, he had the Iron Man streak going. So they just basically like unplugged the lights or like caused a power outage so that they had to cancel the Orioles game at Camden Yards. So that his Iron Man streak wouldn't get right why was he gonna miss the game? So this is even better, but the the like conspiracy theories or the reports were that um, Kevin Costner, like I I believe the story is that Kevin Costner slept with Cal Ripken Jr.'s wife, or was caught sleeping with Cal Ripken Jr.'s wife, and they got into an altercation. They basically got into a fist fight and either Costner knocked him out or Gripkin Jr. is like, he was just like too broken up to like go into the ballpark. But this has never been like debunked or proven in any way. People just like dance around it. They don't talk about it too much, but apparently, yeah, he was like either too traumatized to play or too hurt. And, uh, there was a power outage just conveniently when he was going to, and miss he didn't miss his Ironman and he, he didn't miss his Ironman and he went on with that. I just, I don't know about that. Like the Kevin, the Kevin Costner stuff seems like pretty far-fetched because apparently this is like around field of dreams time. He was sleeping over at Rip Like imagine like you're sleeping over at Ripkin's house. It seems a little bit far-fetched that you would go sleep with his wife while you're there. That's tough. I mean, if you're, let's just say you wanted to, you know, insert yourself into another marriage, you're probably not doing it while you're sleeping over at their house.
2: It's a tough look. I mean, speaking of Ironman, not number eight, but number 81. Okay. Three-time cup champion,
0: Yep. Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel, man. How does he do it? Didn't even play in the playoffs. He, he forced out of Toronto due to eating too many hot dogs. For those that don't know that uh, are not Toronto sports, that's quite literally. There was a there was an article written about him. Who was it? Steve Simmons? Yeah. That wrote the article about him. Like. Eating too many
1: hot dogs and said uh, he had his own personal hot dog vendor.
2: Yeah. I have two quick number eights, two of uh some would argue the worst defensemen in Leaf's history.
0: Aki okay. Berg. Yes. And Mike Commissari. Oh, awful on both accounts. Commissariat came into the league with such potential and then just like really shit the bed really quickly. I liked some eights, grow. like one of my favorite players was always Tim Solani. Oh, legend. Oh yeah. And uh, I used to play like... He wasn't number eight, though, when he when he did that glove sell. I don't think for so. For
2: Winnipeg. He was like 70-something, 70 yeah. 76 maybe. Hopefully my memory... You were talking
0: about when he threw the glove up in the air and shot Yeah, it. yeah,
2: his legendary... Uh, yeah. What number was he there?
1: Ooh, tough to see. 13 in that. 13
0: in, this. 13 in that. Look up the one where he, find
2: the where he threw it up. Uh, definitely wore number. Damn, man. damn, that's not... That's no good.
0: Timo Solani. Mark Recchi was another favorite of mine that wore eight. But also special place in my heart. I hated him as a player, but loved him in his acting role in Dumb and Dumber as Seabass. Cam Neely, War Number Eight. To this day, I think still my favorite role by an actor, uh, by an athlete, as an actor in any movie. Just an epic character. Truck stop, yeah. like the whole thing is just such a good scene. Cam Neely. Guys, I think I might be out to launch on Solani. It was Uh-oh. thirteen. He definitely wore eight, right? I'm not okay. Yeah, to yeah lunch. no, no, he yeah, wore yeah, yeah, eight yeah. on yeah. his second stint. Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I remember Solani wearing eight. Yeah. This picture that's up in front of us here, which uh, we'll insert into the broadcast, is he wearing eight there? Uh, thirteen. No, that's in this thirteen. One. That one yeah. too. Solani was the best man. Those jo- that, was that a Jofa helmet as well? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those he were wore great. his whole career. Those were disgusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he
2: he was like the last guy to wear the Jofa helmet. I think
0: Yager wore one for a while. No. I think Jaromir uh, Jagr wore one of those disgusting Jofa helmets. They're so funny to look at now. No,
2: he wore that w- well into his. Uh, like this guy was still playing. Like when was his last year? He played long. He was like played one year where they're like he's only going to play half the games yeah. for workload.
1: Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's 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 awesome. Those
0: Jofa helmets are nuts. And then the what always gets me is every time I see old hockey highlights of like the guys like Chris Osgood. That wore like those stupid masks with the yeah, uh, the player hockey goalie helmet. The player hockey goalie helmet with the the like neck protector thing that they yeah yeah, yeah. that would always used to get shattered or fly off their helmet whenever they got hit with a shot.
2: Yeah, I him can't and even Dominic Hasek.
0: Hasek wore them, and um, who was his name with the Bruins? Uh, Tim, Tim Thomas. Thomas. Tim
2: no, Thomas Tim had, had a different mask. Style he had a different ever. mask. Tim Thomas. Tim Thomas didn't have a player mask, by the way. He had a version
0: of. He had like a custom mask. He had
2: like the mask that Dominic Hasek used to wear at the end of his career. It's a different one. The It's way different than the Osgood mask. You look at Thomas's mask.
0: <laughs> that was his mask. It's still a goalie mask. It's just... Um, yeah. So- it's not- Sorry for those listening, but if you do want to look it up, you can look up Tim Thomas' mask, and you'll see exactly what we're talking about.
2: Tim here. Thomas also literally came out of nowhere and was the best goalie in history for oh, one season.
0: He was unreal,
2: man. Like and won the cup.
0: He, I listen. I I, I don't get into like political stuff. Right? I don't really care about that stuff. Which what your political beliefs are, or whatever. But he got canceled. Like, did he not? Well, I he was even, like one of the first people. Honestly, didn't even hear about this. Okay, this was a long time ago. I think he, I think Tim Thomas was like one of the first people, athletes. Wait for what? What did he do? Ever be? <laughs> these pictures are too funny that Zach's bring up here. Uh, Tim Thomas, what? did Bro, he, is he wearing no mouth guard. Look at that <laughs> exposed jibs. I don't remember what he did. He like, okay. Like Tim Thomas hasn't spoken about anything publicly since his retirement from the NHL in 2014. He's never returned to the TD garden for any Bruins events since a split with the team back in 2012. That wasn't really all that amicable. I don't really remember like what it was. Oh, he refused to meet meet Barack Obama at the white house. That's what it was. That's what it was. Now you listen, he just never, he just never went. I, yeah, he, the, the team went, like he just refused. I'm he was pretty like, sure multiple people have done that since. Now since then it's happened a million times, but he was like the first guy that said like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to the white house or whatever. And I don't remember if it was political beliefs or whatever. It doesn't matter what it was, but like that he was the, he was one of the first I'll never forget. Tim talked. he just like dropped off the face of the earth, completely dropped off the face of the earth. You know, he's right. not dropping off the face of the earth. They're actually growing in market share. That would be the Pinnacle Sportsbook. Now available to bettors in Ontario. They're the world's sharpest sportsbook. You can find out what professional bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle's where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus in Ontario. Please play responsibly. Not available to those in the US. The Hammer Betting Network circles off here. I've been partnered with Pinnacle for a long time. We're expanding that partnership going forwards. So starting in July we'll be producing a lot more educational content in a shorter form variety. So listen, we get all your feedback all the time. You have questions, we answer them in Q&As, but like I said last week, sometimes people ask us questions and we're like, "Yeah, we can't turn that into a 45 1-hour minute episode. That's a 2 to 3 minute talking point." We'll start putting out some more videos for that. So make sure you're subscribed here on Circles off and of course, make sure that you subscribe to notifications. You get new alerts whenever we post new episodes. Ninety Degrees is coming in hot. G Stack George Syphilitis, had his first episode last week with Whale Capper. That was a great listen, actually. I've been—he got Whale Capper before we did. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah, in some shape or form, we had him live from the Super Bowl row, media row, twice. Fucking yeah. big shot, Drew Dinsick, Super Bowl, uh, uh, Super Bowl media row. So uh, speaking of the draft, actually, let's go for it. Did you bet, bet the draft, NBA. Uh, I, I I did, yeah. I did. So it would
2: have been last Thursday, so a week from when this episode's out. Yeah. So How'd you do?
0: I did well. Um, it was the fifth overall pick that I did really well on, which was can't even tell you. It was the twin brother that went second, but Oscar,
1: Oscar Thompson. Yeah.
0: Like I, let's let's be honest here. This is open forum for. I don't follow the NBA closely, but I work with different people on different sports, and some of them are very like good with information. And they'll reach out to me and be like, Hey, I'm pretty sure like this guy's going to go here. And over the years, you just start to weed out the guys who aren't reliable. Right. You're Like, wow, this guy gave me this tip and it like, it didn't work out. But there are some guys that are pretty money when it comes to that. Um, so I, I hit that tailed a few other bets did well. Took that uh, the free money on the that number been, yeah. one overall pick made a couple hundred bones there. That's not bad. It's not bad at all. I mean, stay tuned to our plus EV minus EV segment later on. I'll piggyback off that a little bit. Interesting. But if they're gonna give, did the- you
2: follow the steam second overall?
0: I did not. Did you take Scoot? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a pit, a bet on second overall. Everybody had an opinion on second overall because it was the Woj versus shams. Um, but no, I like that's not how I prefer to bet the draft. Right? Like, there's. There's too much uncertainty.
2: In yeah. That, you want right? the guaranteed stone that, cold lock of the week winner
0: NFL draft. I, I'll do differently because I follow the NFL way more. Right. So if I have a strong opinion personally on something that I think will happen, even if it's not rooted in information, I might bet it. We have the NHL draft this week as well, right? Zach and, and Alex Moreto have been doing some NHL draft content. If they feel strongly about something, they'll bet it. It's a sport they follow more closely, but the NBA, I don't have a clue. Right, Some people are like, oh, this owner, he'll do this. This GM has full autonomy. I don't know that stuff. Like I, I can't make an informed decision, right? Did you see what happened with the uh, the old shams? I did, I, I, I did see what happened with the old sham. So- Some people called it a sham. So, uh, some people, m- maybe they-
2: Explain the situation for the listeners here.
0: Sham wow. Sham wow. So we'll bring up a tweet here um, that's uh, just from uh, uh, Jin Varlock. At Jin NBA says Shams might be in trouble, thoughts, and he tags Shams in it. And it's basically <laughs> a link to the Wall Street Journal article um, with the title Reporters Tweet Moved NBA draft odds. He also works for a gambling company. So Shams works for the Athletic, also works for FanDuel as well. And he hasn't really worked for FanDuel. He has a like sponsors, a partnership, partnership yeah. with
2: FanDuel. I wouldn't say he's
0: like a fan. That's not, I don't think that's his main thing. Right. So the focus of this article was around the fact that Shams got the second overall pick wrong, publicly tweeted it. And there is, it's from the perspective of a, I believe an Indiana based college better who basically like threw down, I think it was a thousand bucks or 1300 bucks on um, Scoot Henderson to go second overall and lost. And the kid came out afterwards and said like, oh, I typically only bet like a couple hundred bucks. But I trust Sham so much that as soon as, as soon as he tweeted it, like I I, I was going balls deep on it, basically, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, chota deep this guy went 1,300 bet size instead of his average 200, and of course it lost. So now that there's, there's all this widespread criticism, and there's debate on whether or not someone who works for a gambling company should be able to put out information like this. Yeah, which everyone that works for every which literally happens every single day, and they literally all lose. I mean, at the Hammer, we like to think that you know we track publicly on Betstamp positive ROIs on the shows. That's publicly
2: that that's not that's not a gambling company,
0: technically not, but there's sponsorships. So, but
2: what I mean is this: you go, you go for the whole like, ah, I'm a solo influencer. Yes, it's a it's a bit different
0: for sure, but like what. Like The issue here to me, this is a reporter basically guessing who's going to be picked second overall. He obviously didn't know. He thought he knew or had some general insight into who was going to go second overall, got it wrong. In the past, he's been right many times before. But at the end of the day, the onus has to be on the better. Like it has to be in this situation.
2: You got to be responsible. You can't just like dunk money and expect that it's a sure thing. Literally, if it was a sure thing... There wouldn't be odds up for it, realistically.
0: But this is just passing and assigning blame to someone else. Yeah.
2: Also, you don't have the inside info, buddy. Shams tweeted it out. Exactly. To the whole world. That's what You don't I- have the inside info. You, you're, It's not that much of a lock. If it was, you probably wouldn't have got plus money yes. on the bet. Like, it's crazy.
0: But, like, there are the... What really gets me is every time something like this happens, by the way, then we got the conspiracy theories that float around, right? Which are like... Did Shams purposely tweet the wrong pick so that FanDuel could make a, a bunch of money? Yeah. That's 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 not good. That's not that's honestly not true, obviously. I, I think anyone I don't want to demean by saying this, but I'm just gonna say it anyways, because I say what I wanna say. I think anyone with a brain can figure out that that's obviously not true. The complete downside, reputational downside and risk for shams is like way like through the roof no one would do that first and foremost but on top of that like, the action is going to come in it, it's it's the draft
2: like it's well, he's not like he doesn't own FanDuel he's just a he's a paid partner of FanDuel it's a completely different thing like his main job is to be an NBA beat writer and try to be the best in the world right and yeah, he's obviously not going to. Re-
0: it wouldn't even also benefit Fanduel that much. That's what honest. I'm. That's that's another thing too. Like it, it, on top of that, it's not a huge, especially with the limits on the markets too. Like, okay, go and try to bet the NBA draft at Fanduel, and listen. Like, I'm not here to rag on Fanduel. Any. I actually like Fanduel's product. Generally speaking, I think they're more fair than a lot of sports books on limits. Generally speaking, but there, this is not like some, you know. 20 million dollar operation here get everybody that can bet 50 dollars on the second overall pick to bet it like it's it's borderline absurd at the end of the day when you're betting on sports on anything you're accountable for those bets plain and simple like to me this is very much along the lines of the refund me for my player prop because he got injured in the first quarter. You are making a bet. You're accountable for that bet. There's lots of information that gets floated out there. This is an information betting market, but at the end of the day, the onus is on you to try to figure out what's right and what's wrong. And that's it. Now, what I think will happen, honestly, is I actually think this will hurt the ability to bet drafts in the future because there's so much... It's already done, though. Draft betting's already cooked. It is pretty much already cooked, but it might get to the point of, like, it's officially cooked.
2: Well, it's fine for... Draft betting is already is already completely fried. It, the, so that NFL draft had one good year during COVID where you could bet a lot, and that's because was, there was not, not much um, else going on there. But after that, the limits are just toast on uh, NFL draft. All the markets are not really up. It's not even really fun for re- recreational bettors anymore, either, because, like... The major markets get taken down, and these guys just want to like only have up the ones they literally only want the props with like the worst absolute hold to be up on draft day. Not to mention all the other stuff with the uh, you know, limits getting cut and whatnot. So, all in, when I would say drafts are already done, I'm not even like worried no, about no, this. I this. This year's NBA draft was already toast. Agreed. And the NHL draft is coming up, or it would have, have there been. Be, there were sportsbooks. When's said, the NHL draft? I think it would have been like. It's Wednesday. Yesterday. So it's yesterday. yesterday. As yesterday. The, yeah, as of this thing coming out. And like, NHL draft's already done, too. Like, you can't really bet much on anything. I took a look. There's there's three markets open for it. It's like, who will go second overall? Because, obviously, Bedard's first overall. Yep. No doubt. Okay, done. That's already out, out of the market now. They have the, the market for second overall, third overall, and like an over-under on like forget which, which goalie or something. First goalie taken, and that was it. I looked, checked a bunch of different sites. Like, not much up right now, and obviously the limits are done. So, drafts in general, fun while it lasted. See ya.
0: Well, this is like, so, again, I have a lot of close friends of mine that always complain about draft limits, right? Hitman, Suma. Like, these are friends of mine that I that I interact with regularly. And I read the complaints, and I'm like... What do you expect? Like, who's going to offer big markets on draft? You're just going to get cooked. Like, it's different, right? Like, for me, it's a it's complete, like, lack of respect and a slap in the face if you're limiting, like, someone who's betting NFL sides to five bucks. Like, what are we doing here? That I, I get. But, like, when you're complaining about your NF, NBA draft limits being reduced and it's like, oh, you won't take a bet or you're limiting your profiling accounts. It's like, Of course they are. Like, you know, it's, it's an information based market. Who are, who are the people that are winning off of this? The people that have information, they're likely to kill you in the long run.
2: Yeah, I know. I saw a couple offshore bookmakers, um, two main guys that work for the same company tweeting about it a lot this past week. And they're basically saying like, okay, chill on criticizing us for this. You realize how impossible it is. Like five minutes after one guy, will tweet something five minutes later, it goes from whatever, plus 500 to minus 500. And that's probably even short. Like, you can't really book these things without severe, severe downside and extremely
0: limited upside. Agreed. So, like, I agree with you. It was fun while it was lasted. COVID year, we got the NFL draft, tons of markets and whatever. But that was also a different year, right, where access to information wasn't available either. It was not like there was teams watching practices and stuff like that. Beat writers weren't there. It was way harder at that point to actually benefit from information. Nowadays, it's like, you know... You see the steam on these markets. Look, look at the steam on these markets, like on the night of, right? Leading up to the pick. The information is is out there. It's literally a foregone conclusion. I have a suggestion
2: for the draft, by the way. So Here. you're beef to pick with every every sports draft, every league's draft. Okay. Top. There's one exception to this, which I'll get into after, but how VF do you not know who you're going to take? Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth up to at least top 10 overall right then and there. Yeah. You should have a list of like, okay, if this guy's there, we take him just rank your guys one to 10, call it a day. That's it. If they just did that, then what they could do is do an actual draft show instead of us having to basically wait around, no one even has fun watching the draft because it's so horrible because it's 10 minutes in between 15 minutes or some sports in between picks.
0: Hey, some of us do live watch-alongs for those drafts, eh?
2: And you need a live watch-along (laughs) because it's impossible to watch on its own. You you literally need a a live watch-along because you need someone to talk to in between every single thing. And the guys that are just getting interviewed, like, okay, maybe it's cool to interview the first overall pick, maybe second. But after that, like, what do you care? Interviewing the 23rd overall pick we just went to the Vikings, like it's it's not like these guys are crazy personalities. Like you're just getting an interview, and they're all saying the same. Like, oh yeah, I get and it's got to work hard, hoping to make team, honor to be here. That's it. All it is is that. I disagree. What they got to do?
0: Uh, go, go, I'm I'm in between. Here, here. Here's what the they got to do. Here's yeah. what they got to do.
2: Ten, at least the, the first ten, but they could do honestly the first thirty. You should have to submit it in advance. Yep. And then it's locked in. Yep. Done and then now they could run through at least the first 10 or 15 picks in the first 30 minutes of the programming you get 15 picks and they make it a, a crazy thing where they can actually get the mashups they can get the people the correct jerseys they can actually do it as a production not pre-recorded but almost pre-scheduled so that it actually flows smoothly and there's pretty much absolutely no way that if you're and I know there's trades that's the only thing that that was I'm saying like the exception is if there's trades and there always is, then it's like, okay, well, we can't maybe pre-screen the whole thing. But you should be able to pre-screen, like, the first 10 just to make the production better. Once you get into, like, all right, Cleveland's got 6th overall and they also have 15. Now, 15 is contingent on who they pick for six. So I understand you can't do this, like, overall, and you do need to give them, like, 10 minutes at least to make the pick. But make the beginning of the draft way better production-wise to watch. If it's first 10 and like everyone will tune in and actually enjoy that part as opposed to like, all right, I'll check it tomorrow because I don't want to watch like three hours for one round. Fair enough. Zach, your
0: opinion?
1: A few things. I mean, you mentioned the trades, so yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But like, that's one of them. And part of what goes into that is that the later and later it goes and the closer and closer you get to the picks, the more intensity that goes into it, just like the trade deadline. Every time you get closer and closer to the trade deadline, the valuation of everything goes up, and then each GM on either side gets into a little bit of a panic either way to make some type of move. So you can't—I don't think you can rush that or put that in advance. Um, then the other thing is concern about submitting this the picks early. If you submit the first ten picks, guess what? All ten of those picks—they're gonna end up on Twitter because Woj knows every single pick thirty-five seconds before it goes out. You don't even need to watch the draft to know who's gonna get. Announced next by the next team, and then guess what happens? Like for NBA, for example, more specifically, no one watches the draft. And by having this, people actually watch it. So it takes away from the NBA's night of having people tune in and watch it. In my opinion, no, I think this not would gonna d- do I it. think
2: this would do the opposite. I think no, because I
1: think though if you go to that, people are just going to be like, I'm not going to sit here just to watch what these people have to say. Like people are not going to care. Like the other thing is like people might tune into this and like have it on in the background and not give a shit what the people who get drafted have to say or Mm -hmm. whatever, but they're going to look to see who that pick's going to be so then... But you don't need
2: that show anymore. That show is completely useless. You can literally just turn on a notification from the one guy who's breaking the thing and you can just see all the picks or even better, just look at any app or like um, the NFL.com and just see when the picks come in. There's no value. What I'm saying is this. I'm not saying there's no value to follow the draft and in real time and see, oh, it's cool. They made a trade. There's no value to watch the TV.
0: That thing is just dead right now. I, I kind no of... Ag- so the, I think that the drafts suck themselves, the actual broadcast. I've always wondered if why... If you didn't have
2: money, you wouldn't watch it. I agree. And you probably don't even watch it. I,
0: I didn't... I personally was in the uh, the live watch along of the Hammers uh, NBA draft with uh, what Jacob Grummenia ran and the Hitman was a part of that. Joey Knish was a part of that. And I was just kind of like seeing what they... I, I tuned in because I wanted to see what they bet and I kind of wanted to see their reactions when I give up my bets and kind of see their reactions or whatever. But why don't they just do the draft behind closed doors in its entirety and then turn it into like a two hour show and you put a publication ban on, you basically threaten the media credentials of anyone who leaks any information. You would now get a two hour pre-produced show. You don't have to wait 10 minutes for every pick You'd have like the, you know, still the player reactions getting called and whatever, but you just put a ban on anyone who you you basically say anyone leaks the picks in this day, your, your, your NFL press credentials are, are for life. Yeah. And your company or you know, we won't deal with your company or whatever. Another thing is like, I would
2: even be more likely to watch a two hour or a a half hour pre-produced, like start pick one to 15 of the draft. Even if I already knew the picks, then just watch the current one
1: right now. Like, I disagree because I would just, I would never turn it on if I knew it there. Like, I would. But you already
2: do know what they are. So, what's the point? Well, you
1: only find out, like.
0: So, I I will say, like, before.
2: Yeah, exactly. You find out before it goes on the TV. Therefore.
0: So, I'm not a person that, like, can, I'm not a person that can, like, avoid looking at the odds. Like, so during the NFL draft, which I did a live watch along for, you know who they are. You know who every pick is because the odds reflect that. In live markets. Like, you basically know what every single pick is going to be if you are following along in real time. Well, and then you also get the guys who just break the news,
2: like, sometimes a minute or two beforehand.
0: And it sucks. It honestly sucks. It takes away from the broadcast. Like, I remember watching, like, you, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the original NFL drafts with the guys in the, fo- in the rooms. There's, like, it was, it was literally. They go to the war room. It was a war. It, it was just all the GMs in a room together with like telephones, literally like fucking old school. You know, you can. Th- that's how old. Not pressing the buttons on, and it was just like quick. Get up, announce the pick, announce, and that's like way more interesting than the amount of pre-produced segment. Like, I don't need. Like this is no disrespect to like Mel Kuyper and whatever, and these, but like I don't need a three-minute montage or b-roll of every single player that's in the draft and them telling me why this guy's going to be an all pro or like a pro bowl player like we don't need that anymore we're not we can seek out information ourselves and like honestly most people i i don't think care that much anymore on the sportsbook side of things though there has to be like a, a creative solution like okay so you don't want to offer draft props run fucking draft pools like run pools where people get to put together mock drafts or stuff like that. And they can enter in like, make it like DFS. You can enter in small competitions of like 10 people or big ones or whatever. Like that's that some sort of scoring system that's, uh, that everyone knows about beforehand. Like there's gotta be another way to gamble on the draft. That's not like the sports book, just getting, you know, having like all this massive liability. They, can, they take 2% off the top, whatever they wanna take, 5% and just run pools. Like how March Madness, yeah. you know, no, f- fair enough. And like the people sometimes say,
2: oh, but does isn't it cool to watch like these kids reactions? Like they got drafted. It's like, okay, honestly, no, they all know they're getting drafted. Yeah. If you're like projected top 10 pick to the NHL, what's the lowest you're going to go? 30th, 35th, you're still getting drafted. Yeah. I would prefer to see that for like someone who wasn't expected to get drafted and got taken in the fifth round of the NHL draft. And it's like a dream come true. And they're like, I'm going to work my ass off and make it. But you don't even get those ones. They only do it for...
1: Oh well, yeah, because that kid's also not going to show up to the draft. No, that's what I'm saying.
2: Yeah. Not only is that kid not at the draft, but they don't interview at that level. They, like, the draft goes... Like, okay, day, for NHL, for example, for those who don't know how it works, day day one is picks one through 30. And then day two is all of the rest of the picks. So, like, they do it off for a reason, right? Because they know people want to watch the first round. But... They don't give the same amount of coverage. And all the answers that any one of these kids gives is always mm-hmm. generic, coached-up answer, PR-trained. Yeah, I'm going to work my ass yeah, off. Yeah,
1: these are hockey kids, though. That's what. The- but all of <laughs> them. Every sport. Forget Every about sport. hockey.
2: And it's it's like, I, I get it. I But you don't even see any raw emotion anymore. You just see them getting a coached-up answer, like, I'm happy to be on the team. I'm going to work my ass off for this team. I'm blessed. Yeah. They're like, did you want to go to this team? Like, they used to ask back in the day, like, did you want to go to this team? This is your hometown team. People would be like, yeah. Like f that team for not taking me. Now they're literally like, no, I'm happy to be anywhere. I just want to be given opportunities. Like they're literally just coached up answers now. Anyways, it's crazy, but I, I digress. Listen, Drafts are done.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, my friend Zach Phil can confirm. My <laughs> friend Zach Phil. Regards, regards from Toronto. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just think that there's like some sort of creative solution to do it. I mean, like we should be able to bet on this stuff, but not have the sports book assume like a massive liability. And also be able to bet something that's of, of significance. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, it's actually ridiculous at this point. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyways, speaking of ridiculous, it's the CLV debate again. What happened for the millionth time? Uh, what happened was, uh, Shane trail. I, this avatar is familiar. I've seen him tweet something before that I almost shredded, but it's okay. That's for a different time. Um, NFL analyst action. I didn't even know this. So now it's gonna look like I'm picking on Action Network, guys. I'm not picking on Action Network. This was a big tweet this week, okay? Look at the interaction. 106.8 K views at the time of recording. CLV is the most pointless metric used in comparison to success in the sports betting industry. Obtaining CLV indicates you are on the right side and is essentially just a pat on the back that you're at least competent at selecting the correct position. I firmly believe gaining 5 cents or a hundred cents of CLV doesn't sway the outcome any differently. The uh, quote tweets replies to this are are rad because they're all over the place. There's like, you got, you got the, the Twitter gatekeepers that are like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? Whatever. Then you have the people who agree, then you have like the people in the middle who are like, yeah, CLV matters sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter. And I understand that this is like a, a very uh, touchy subject because it, it comes up so often, right? And people are so like rooted in their beliefs on whether or not closing line value is of significance. Um, years ago, and I've talked about this on this show many, 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 many episodes ago, but there used to be, and still is, this flow chart that circulates out on Twitter um, that was created by an Eastern Canadian that goes by Sprager where it was basically like this flow chart of whether or not you should ever consider buying picks. Now I don't necessarily agree with everything in that flow chart as I voiced before, but it was like this logical, somewhat logical flow. We almost need that type of flow chart, for closing line value in real life. Because it's not, not everything is apples to apples, right? And there's like a ton of scenarios that, where I think maybe closing line value is less important, or maybe it's not important for some specific few people that exist. But for the millionth time, I have to stress that when you bet on a game right at post, A minute before it's about to start, the limits on that game, every sports book, including Pinnacle, including number one sports book
2: in Canada. Please play responsibly.
0: Absolutely. Which actually doesn't limit players either. So the limits are going to be the same for everyone. When you bet at post, they are going to be higher than when you bet earlier. This is a fact, especially on major markets. So to say that you firmly believe that gaining five cents or a hundred cents of CLV doesn't sway the outcome any differently you can't okay, say wait, wait. It.
2: technically though
0: it doesn't sway the outcome of the
2: game gr- but then, it sways the amount of money you win, therefore swaying the profitability of the bet. but yes, it doesn't he's right in like the literary sense the whether pro- you bet on the, the game, game or not yes. does not sway the outcome of the game whether you cheer for it or not. I mean, unless you're at the game live, in which some would debate that cheering would have a positive effect.
0: We, I, I know what my effect is on games, specifically. Zero. On certain teams. And that's zero, if not negative for the home team. Why? net negative for the home team. I'm a mush, man. I go and I bet on the home team and they lose. Robbie know. Mush. Robbie mushes. No, so the, I guess technically speaking, you're right. However, again, because of the limits at post... The implied probability at that time is a more true indicator of the actual probability of the game than any other point throughout the betting park market. Plain and simple. Jeff Feinberg tweeted something, which caught my eye. We've had Jeff Feinberg on Circles Off before. Did one episode with us. Jeff is a friend of mine. He's a golf better. He tweets, I think I'm up for an award. The worst better to be banned or significantly limited at most sports books. The system is so broken. If I'm being banned, I suck. These books have no clue who's sharp. They just make it up. I'm sharp because I got Tom Kim at 50 to one and he goes off at 30 to one. So again, I'm not going to debate the merits of sports books limiting you or whatever. I think it's kind of shitty, especially if you're in Ontario and you're a better and you have accounts everywhere and you're limited at 95% of the outs and pinnacles, the only spot where you can continuously bet the money that you want. I think that sucks. I think that needs changing, but this is an example, a real life example. And again, I talk to Jeff very regularly of someone who's not a good sports better in their own eyes. He's quoting himself. He literally says, I suck. But he's betting golf outrights and consistently beating the market. And maybe he's not winning all of those bets, but he's consistently beating the market. And that's what's causing him to get limited. It's not the fact that he's winning. It's the fact that he's getting a better number than what the market is closing at. And this is the universe we operate in ask yourself why sports book would care that somebody's not limit that somebody's not winning, but they feel like they still have to limit them. And the answer is very simple because what Jeff is talking about here, you know, he thinks he sucks. He's actually doing something that in the long run is likely going to lead to him winning now golf outright market. We can debate like there's a lot of hold in these markets and stuff like that.
2: Like 50 to one going off at 30 to one, like that doesn't necessarily guarantee that that's a good bet depending on the hold of the market and you know, where the price is elsewhere. I know it moved, which
0: it's seems one, like
2: a big move, but that's not that big. It's 1.2%. Yeah.
0: Like barely over 1%. Yeah.
2: And the hold of the market's high. So so honestly, like in that scenario, it's no. it could have been a good bet. I, don't, I didn't follow that exact market. I don't yep. know what tournament this was for, but there's no guarantee. Just saying.
0: Agreed. 100%. But again, so the, the, those who want to dismiss closing line value, I find what happens in a lot of cases, there tends to be like one bet or a few bets over the course of the week that they get really frustrated with, right? Like, oh, I beat the market by so much and lost again. I never win these bets or whatever, because humans are conditioned to like think about the negative generally. And you feel like you're, you feel like by beating the closing line that you deserve to win. Because that's kind of like job well done. Type. You know, you give yourself a pat on the back, I got a good number, whatever, this is, this is that so people lose that and then they just get like disillusioned and they're like ah oh, closing line value whatever and this this and that sometimes they apply it to markets where closing line value doesn't mean a whole lot generally speaking where there's not a lot of competition in that market You've got to consider that as well but overall if a sports book is scared of a losing better because they're beating the odds that's a pretty good indication to anyone else out there that that's probably a way to win long-term just by consistently getting the best number. It's not, nothing in, in life is guaranteed or whatever. There will be seasons where you get good closing line value and you lose, but everyone who falls back on the actual results, you really have to understand how much variance there is like you can be betting an average price of plus 100 over 400 bets and go 250 and 150 and you could be still getting very lucky.
2: Well you, how
0: about this? If you
2: win money and don't get CLV, you don't get limited. That's a, lose money, get CLV. See ya.
0: That that should be all you really need to know. I mean, just think about it logically, right? Like forget about your beliefs, your opinions on anything like that. Just think about how sports books profile. Period. And if you're one of those people that's consistently winning, not getting good CLV, I would ask yourself, are you doing something in market that is distinctly different from everyone else where you might actually have an edge? And if the answer is no, if you're just handicapping baseball games by looking at the pitcher's expected ERA or whatever, guess what? Everyone's kind of doing the same stuff. There are scenarios, in my opinion, where there can be people who win with negative CLV. Usually those cases are they have access to data that's not publicly available. They're doing something or approaching the sport in a completely different manner but they're not doing just like the same thing as everybody else, period. Anyways, I hate having that conversation. It's not apples to apples. It's not always like, oh, this amount of CLV guarantees you this, this. It's all like, there's all scenarios, right? I would actually love if honestly, it's a challenge. It's time consuming for people out there. But if we could, as a community, put together like a CLV clo- ch- flow chart, questions and answers and whatever, Pizzola chart, yeah, something like that. That would be pretty cool. If anyone wants to take an, an initial stab at that, that because would we be can, pretty cool. We can debate that at least, at the very least. But to say that there's no difference between you know beating a line by five cents or a hundred cents, I don't. I typically think of in prob- terms of probability instead of cents, but. Whatever. There's absolutely a difference between those. Yeah, for sure. Like it's not even close The f- beating the line by five cents. You probably didn't even have an edge. You probably still lose in the long run anyways. Well, yep. Yeah, likely it, depending on the, on the numbers, but yeah. yes.
2: So, uh, we said last, last, uh, episode that was just Rob and I, we said we were going to give out a positive and a negative EV play of the week, not for guest episodes. Last week it was actually two weeks ago. Last time we did it, I gave out given a card, for a gift with money inside is a negative EV play. All right.
0: This was polarizing, by the way. A (laughs) couple of people
2: said, can't believe you said a card was $7. You could buy them online 30 for 30 bucks. It can be a dollar. It can be less than a dollar. All right. Here's what I'm going to say to to counter this back. So I didn't have a chance to say it. The price of the card is largely irrelevant. If it was one cent, it would still be an overpayment for the value that it provides. Secondary. If you actually truly feel that this kid is going to open that card like and read that card, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You're giving a kid a card or even if you give your, like, unless the person specifically really, really enjoys a handwritten note in a card, get that card out of there. If they do, then that part of the gift is not even like giving the card with money. You're just giving them something that's a different part of the gift. But- I stand by that. I'm willing to triple down. I get it. You can order on Amazon 30 cards for 30 bucks, ship them to your house, store them in your house, have them there for every occasion, prepay for the money. That'll save you money. That's a good EV movers buying a $7 card at the drugstore, but still negative EV. I'll, I, I'll triple down. There.
0: So listen, I, I I like to write personalized messages to people. Uh, it's just who I always have been. So if like I go to a friend's wedding, I'm going to write, like, not a generic, oh, congratulations on your wedding. I'm going to write, like, a personalized message in the hopes that they read them. But, like, the card has nothing to do with that. I could fold a piece of paper and put it in an envelope. It's accomplishing the exact same thing. Or send a text. Just don't, the cards are a joke, bro. The prices of the cards are an absolute fleecing, and I will not stand for it any longer. I listen, I can afford (laughs) a $7 card. It's not a problem. It's just a matter of principle. Where does it stop? Like, in my lifetime, I'm not paying $10 for a card. You, because you've like, probably wasted already so much money on cards. It's a joke, man. It's a joke. So I will fold a piece of paper and put it in an envelope. I'll write a personalized message. The cash is going... They care about the cash anyways. Like, let's be real. You here.
2: just read a card in front of someone, literally, just to be nice. So, John, You're like, did you wow. get your dad a Father's Day card? No. Absolutely not. I've Absolutely. never gotten my dad a Father's Day card. He 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 my wouldn't pre- even
0: appreciate that. That's another thing is he wouldn't even appreciate that. Same. But no, I didn't. I didn't. Get I him book around a round of golf. Me and my dad go play, and that's I could buy him cards for the rest of life. It will never be the equivalent of that. Yeah.
2: Anyways, that was even last week. That was two weeks ago. his negative VV move of the week. Yes. This week, I guess. Zach, did you have any prepared? Yeah. All right. We'll give. We'll we'll
1: toss it off to you to start. Okay. Uh. So this is more in relation to the John Morant stuff. Okay. It is negative EV to have lighters that look like fake guns because even if you're flashing them off in an Instagram video and they are just a lighter, that is a stupid move for an NBA player to have that on his Instagram live because now, regardless of if it was a gun or not, (laughs) you are suspended for 25 games. So that's just a stupid move. Mm -hmm. Um, Positive EV here. uh, I have the new patios at the Blue Jays game because you can buy yeah. $20 entrance fee tickets or you can find cheaper ones maybe last minute or something maybe you're it's Friday Saturday night with your buddies you can find some like last minute 10 bucks whatever you get in you rip up to those patios that they have there you're basically paying cover fee to go to a bar and there's a baseball game going on in the background yep. it's a pretty I agree. Good environment yep. I think it's uh, I think that's positive EV boys. I think
2: for for those of you who are like, oh, what do you mean Zach saying you got to wait and pay 10, 20 bucks? That's like just the cost of tickets at some parks. Yeah. In Toronto, we get absolutely reamed on tickets. Maple Leafs and Raptors absolutely absolutely reamed. Jays, you can kind of pick up at a reasonably reasonable price. Yeah. Anyways, it's Pizzola. night.
0: It's night was, what they've did to the Rogers Center. For yeah, those that they don't know, move. outside of Toronto, but they basically stripped out a bunch of seats in the outfield, renovated it. Like Zach Zach said, they put a lot of different bars and stuff it's all like anyone can go there with a ticket to the game so you can get a general admission ticket for 20 bucks you can drink 5 beers before you go you're already hammered anyways throw a couple more at the game you know the 17 dollar beers and you ha- you have yourself a night
2: yeah. The negative EV though is by the time you get the Jays games just go so quick and they stop serving the beer pretty early. They stop
1: at uh, what the seventh, inning, seventh stretch. inning
2: stretch it's actually quite tough. Not going to lie.
1: So you got to do your drinking beforehand and then like you're and then you're good. All right. That's it. Pizzola, what do you got?
0: Uh, okay. Minus EV. I'm not going to throw out the specific person, uh, in this office that did this. It's not a matter of just like throwing out names or whatever. If you work in an office environment, and you go into the kitchen, and you microwave leftover fish. <laughs> get the fuck out of the office. <laughs> like you do not. I don't even know what. what I I like fish. I eat fish. I eat mostly like a Mediterranean diet. Lots of chicken, fish, beans, stuff like that, salads. But you, it's like office rule one hundred one. You cannot get rid of that smell there. It's stuck for the entirety of the day, if not week. Like, it's not like a a, home, you open up all the windows or whatever. When you're in like commercial buildings, it's not that easy. Just don't microwave fish in the office. You got leftover fish, just like leave it at home, eat it for dinner the next day or whatever. Absolute no, no. Don't be that person. I will assure you, if you are that person, everyone talks about you behind your back. I'm just telling you right now, don't be that person. All right, and positive positive ev this one's actually a sports betting one it's relatable I talked about number one overall pick in the nba draft as it stands right now fire last minute bombs on the huge favorites when the outcome is known okay in these markets they don't lose when the line steams to like minus minus ten thousand. I know it's a sweat. People are like, oh, why would you do that? You know, to win nothing, you're going to win 10 bucks or what. It's a free $10. They don't lose. The line is the way it is because the outcome is known. Literally, people have been betting so much on this market because they know the outcome. Just fire the huge favorites in those markets,
2: buddy. When Bedard doesn't go first overall, <laughs>
0: see, we're gonna clip feed.
2: this. No, <laughs> we're joking. It, He's
0: obviously going first overall. Hammer Bedard. Good to any number. One way for a sports book to just ruin me right now would be to do would just be a fake line move. But this no, but only for like for after. like the
2: one overalls. Like, okay, yeah.
0: Wemby was gonna go one. Like
2: you could have bet that at minus fifty thousand. You're gonna win that. Like there's no way he wasn't
0: going one. It's no. already known. Like. There. No bookmaker is doing this. But let's say I was live trading the the NFL draft for example, right? And we get the 7th overall pick. I would absolutely jam a random person to like minus 50,000. Like just jam it. Just to see if someone gets it. Just to see if just to see if someone goes And <laughs> You obviously that means like the other odds on like there's going to be a player that's going to go 7th overall gonna It's going to cash. Yeah. at like <laughs> plus 500 but I would just want like one person to, I mean, this is my name. This is tells you a lot about who I am as a person, yeah. but yeah, if I was trading, guy. yeah, I, I, I would be like that guy in the office. Like, look at this loser. He just like, just jam this for whatever, whatever the limit is 500 bucks. But anyways, so far right now, as it stands, these win at an incredibly high rate. I would come as far as saying that they win at a nearly 100% rate again, Because the outcome has known and has leaked into market. So, last second bombs on huge favorites.
2: All right. My positive and negative, they're related for this week. For anyone out here who's playing any casino games, all right? Positive EV of the week. Line shop at the casino online or in person, all right? Severely, severely, you can look at what the hold percentages are at online casinos. So at least in Ontario, where we are, there needs to be like a legal disclaimer of what the, what's called RTP is, which is return to player. So that means you can see if a slot, slot machine is completely rinsing you. If the return to player is 80%, then that means in theory, every dollar you put in, you're getting back 80 cents. So you're losing 20 cents on that dollar. There is some slots, though, that you know, bookmakers and online casinos will have on promo where the return to player is 99.9. If the return to player is 99.9, fire away and have some fun, and that's a good way to play online casino if that's like a, a vice or if that's some way you de-stress or you want to have fun on a night. Yep. Right. Obviously, play responsibly. But just saying here, I don't necessarily think you're going to find a crazy edge like you do in sports betting likely not going to happen but if you shop around on the online casinos check out the RTPs especially for games like slots you actually will be able to find stuff that's not completely rinsing you and might not cost you a whole lot might cost you like over the whole course of the whole night you might be spinning all night your EV might be you know negative 10 bucks which is a fine fun night if and one night you might win 1000 one night you might lose a thousand but you're not getting destroyed and then negative EV move of the week is casinos putting it's positive EV for the casino negative for us on the roulette the third green space oh. and on some casinos now the fourth green space on the roulette these greedy mother effers are putting f- how dumb <laughs> are people to roll it was supposed to be literally okay red and black you get red or black and then they put in one green because they're like the house edge. the house edge is it might land on the green so you don't truly have it these greedy mother effers. Two greens now now is the norm. You won't you barely find a table that's not two greens. Three green, and now when I saw the fourth green, almost lost it. It's only a matter of time before we have like a seven green, and then they're just spreading out all the greens in between the thing. Absolute travesty. We're out. But I guess the, the positive EV would be don't play at a roulette table unless it's one green. And if you're online, same deal, find a table that's usually called European roulette instead of American,
0: that's only one one green. Saving so much money, let's go. That's what I was gonna say. I don't know the origin of that, but I, I know that European roulette is one green zero. I think American roulette wheels will either have uh, a green zero, then they adopted the double zero.
2: Yeah, green, I... one zero, double zero, now they're just making stuff up. No, they're not even triple zero. Fair. They just put logos of the casino in there. <laughs> And
0: they're scattered all over the
2: place and you're like, what the fuck is going on? I literally can't, you can't even play at those tables. Like don't, don't play there.
0: I mean, that's like,
2: you can't let this be the norm. Like they're, they're, they're just reducing, casinos make enough and they're reducing everything. Now you go play blackjack, blackjack pays like, and then they just reduce it. It used to be like, Hey, blackjack pays two to one. Now it's like blackjack pays six to five. mm -hmm. Come on.
0: Well, listen. Give us some fair odds. I have been known to go and dabble in the uh, charity, the CNE Canadian National Exhibition charity casino back in the day, because there's no casino in Toronto. Believe me, the first time I sat down and played blackjack at that casino, you're in for a rude awakening in terms of the rules. What When seven, do you, the, when the, do you yeah. think you've pushed a hand and they just collect your money, and you're like, "What the fuck is going on?" And there's just like a sign oh. that says, "Like dealers win on the push." You're like, "What world am I in right now?" And then like, you're trying to, they don't even let you chase at these casinos. Like you'd be playing a $50 table and like, you're trying to chase to win your money back and you throw down like a $300 bet. I don't recommend this by the way, don't do this. And they're like, uh, uh, they like point to the side and it's like min 50, max 100. You can't even like try to attempt to win your money back. It's, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's 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 absurd. Yeah, that you'll, a ca- sta- you'll, you'll catch what about me the there this stags.
2: Oh, the stags are what about the stag games for like uh promo games there? You're like you, they're like
0: you're like, oh nice bust, and then they're like, nah, dealer wins on 22. So you want you want to know like nobody's gonna have any idea what we're talking about because stags don't exist anywhere outside of Vaughn, Ontario. Yeah, I know. They I don't know exist that. in Italy, they don't exist to, they're they're just so what a stag is essentially is a fundraiser. I'll no, say I'll announce it here.
2: I'm never going to a stag again.
0: I love I love stags. I'm out on stags. I'll announce it right you know now. Why? I'm out on I stags. Clean up at the poker at stags. It's a horrible place Despite the rake, I, the the rake is absurd. I'll still win at the, at the stag games in poker. I'm a out. stag is a fundraiser for the group. It's typically done at a banquet hall. They sell tickets beforehand for usually like hundred and twenty bucks or something like that, which will get you open bar and uh and a meal. Do you, A shitty meal. L- l- not always, but usually, just like hall food or whatever it's not not the best usually buffet style yeah once you get there then there's like blackjack casino games there's raffles for prizes which by the way like it's a fundraiser so you're not going to be the guy that's like no i'm not buying tickets for the, the raffle and they have like hostesses there girls women who walk around trying to encourage you to buy This is not like some sort of strip club or anything like that, but good looking women who are trying to get you to buy raffle tickets. When all is said and done, you go to a stag, you're dropping like 300 bucks probably. Roughly. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to buy, there's these scam games, like Joker poker scam games. It's, it's, it's the scam of all scams. Did you have a stag when you got married? I did. Yeah. I did. I did. I made, did you make money off it? I mean, I made, uh, I don't know, like 8,500 bucks. See, that's, that's another thing that's crazy. Yeah. You
2: literally call in every favor in the book. You call up every guy you know. Yeah. To go to your stag to make 8,500.
0: Okay, so here's, here's the thing.
2: Everyone spends a cumulative
0: like 56,000 yes. for you to make 8,000. Sure, but on top of that, like in my life, I've contributed more in buying stag tickets than I made off my own. I, I, I fully uh, imagine so,
2: that. No, no doubt because there's so much, there's
0: so much that uh, goes to like the other people. So if you go to, yeah, I agree. 100%. And on top of that, you're like, you, Oh, well Rob says he always wins in poker there. Well, there's a rake and the rake goes to the groom. Right. And I keep those tables going. Believe me. Like I, you know, sometimes I'll play two tables. It's very frowned upon, but I, I'll pick the, the corner seat so I can play both tables. Nobody wants it to happen, but it happens anyways. So, but this is like a, a thing that only exists in our community. Like, I tell other people about this. Like, what the hell are you talking like, about? Like, yeah, what is that? I, I took an out of towner to a stag once, when a, a, a betting partner of mine that came into town. They're like, what the hell is this? I, this is like, I've never seen this before in my life. It's so 150 guys in a room just gambling and buying raffle tickets for a, like a PlayStation and a big screen TV. And a Toonie Toss. I, I, oh my God, the Toonie Toss. These American people are literally laughing at us like you wouldn't believe right now. At a banquet hall, you got your dance floor, right? So there's a a thing called a toonie toss. So uh, for those Americans that don't know, in Canada, we have a $2 coin. It's called a toonie. So typically what you do is there is a prize for the toonie toss. And they usually put it at one end of the dance floor. And from the other end, you kind of throw these toonies along the ground. And some people get really low to the ground. Some people have like their special tosses. And basically, whoever ends up closest to that prize by the end of the night, without touching it, wins the prize. And it can range from like a bicycle. I was at a, a stag once; it was a Vespa. The last stag I was at was just a wheelbarrow of alcohol. Of like, booze. Yeah, it could be it's like a thousand like
2: bucks of booze in there, or whatever. It's usually a decent prize, like a couple hundred bucks
0: to a thousand. Yeah, and um, it's like you, if you if you've never seen that in your life before, and you walked into like a and just saw a bunch of guys throwing coins on the floor. At like a giant bottle of whiskey or something like yeah. that. You're like, what the fuck is going on no. here? And like, the
2: idea is like you th- you buy the toonies for the value of... So you pay like whatever. You'll give the guy 20 bucks. He'll give you 10 $2 coins and you throw those. So it's like two bucks a toss. And then all the coins, they just like pick them up, resell them. And then that money goes to the, f- the groom for the fundraiser.
0: The best thing... <laughs> we're talking a lot about this, but people really need to experience this. Like I should, I should like sneak a camera into one of these one day. The best thing about the toonie toss... Is they can never end this fucking thing, eh? Like it, they tell people, like Tuny toss is done at eleven o'clock, but then there's like a lie. They'll, they'll announce like anyone who still has tunies. Yeah, like
2: six Italian guys these fighting things, for these last. These
0: things end at like one o'clock because everybody wants to be the last person to throw. People like they they literally bring stacks of tunies with them to the event just so that they can still. And then you know they'll go up and be like, no, where do those tunies come from? Like oh, I bought them off you or whatever. Like it, it's crazy. <laughs> They go forever. They cannot end this damn thing. And then there's also uh, the the a very common one as well as the prosciutto hold. Oh, that's the, that. Where I am disgustingly bad at that. Well, I mean, put put a bunch of men in a room together and see who can hold a prosciutto out like this the longest to win the prosciutto, and it becomes very competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's always like some guy who's like trained on this for like months. He's showing up. He's sweating. You can you know that he's not going to give. <laughs> you know like. You have to hold
2: your arm out <laughs> full <of> parallel <laughs> for, for the, anyone the, who's listening. Yeah. So you hold your arm out straight to the side of your body and you hold a string and that string is attached to a full prosciutto, <laughs> which it weighs about what is the weight 30 of a pounds, maybe 20 pounds. I'm going to look up. It's not too heavy, but boy, is it tough on the shoulder? Oh, yeah. You, you, you guys like what's, 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 uh, well, I mean, obviously it depends on the size roughly of the, the juice So like, it depends. There could be different ones, obviously, but yeah. Okay, so this one's about 14 pounds. So call it 20 pounds. is yeah. like maybe an average you'll see, you'll, you have to basically hold consider it a 20 pound weight on a string perpendicular. He's got to be smaller to your ones. body because the ones I've seen at some of them are, are yeah, they're, large. they're honestly more than 20 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, like the so like someone will go up and then usually it's like, oh, this guy did it for like a minute 10 and then another guy will get like a minute 40 and then they'll just be trying to break the minute 40.
0: Usually like, the, I think the most I've ever seen is like three minutes, it was wild. I've seen guys just like the, the amount of sweat, like it's, it's, it's actually disgusting.
2: Also, this is like while wearing a dress shirt.
0: Of course, you're, you're wearing nice shirt. Like you don't show up at a stag dressed like a bum. Like you could wear jeans or whatever, but you're usually wearing a collared shirt of, of some capacity, decent clothes. And just like the, these, you can see like these guys shaking. They're like, uh, like whole body. Like they're gonna collapse. Like people are are for a friggin' pursuit. Like
2: there's like some always always disputes if like the guy lowered his shoulder too low and it wasn't no, it was no longer perpendicular. And they're like, no, that's out, it's out. And then he's like, he'll raise it back up, call violations. Anyways, we've gone on too long. Yes. this has been episode one oh eight of the legendary Circles Off podcast, right here on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Pinnacle.